What's going on, y'all? And welcome back to yet another episode of Bullpen Bros. I'm your host, Matt Contreras. Happy to be with you guys because, guys, we got spring training started. We got bats cracking. We got gloves popping. You know, we got all the sounds of baseball back in full swing. We got a rapid offseason going on. You know, baseball's just back, and I'm happy about it. You know, I think all of us baseball fans that listen to this podcast are happy to say that. And seeing it, you know, we got spring training games already started. Um, a lot of stuff going on off-season-wise. You know, we got some big name signing places. We got trades going on. Um, some of the stuff I think we kind of saw coming. Um, I'll get into that more into this episode. You know, we got off-season talk. We got free agent talk. Trades. I'm going to be breaking down each team. You know, to get the teams that have made moves. I'm going to be talking about them. I'm going to be getting into it, giving you my thoughts on it. Um, so if your team's made a move, expect to be he- hearing it today. Um, so... With that being said, I went into like kind of the major, more major moves. Um, I didn't want to get into like all the minor league deal contracts, um, all the little things that you have here and there that's kind of just roster filling, giving them a shot, spring training invites and all that stuff. Um, I didn't really want to get into that. Um, so I have down just kind of like the major key signings that I felt like were important to get out to you guys and give you guys my thoughts on. Um, with that being said, guys, I hope you guys are ready for this episode. We're going to get right into it. Um, and I'm hope you guys like the instrumental that's playing, you know, Day and Night brought to you by Kid Cudi, one of the, my favorite songs growing up as a kid, hoping you guys are liking the new instrumentals I'm putting out. Um, we're trying to give you guys something new, keep you guys entertained. Um, a lot of it early on was a lot of classic rock and some baseball classics that we always hear. Um, but if you guys ever want to hear your song as the intro, shoot it my way. Reach me at Matt22Contreras on all socials, TikToks, Twitter, Instagram, you name it, that's the handle. Um, or reach out to Anchor, um, meet, uh, message us through different platforms. We're on TikTok, we're on Twitter. Hit us up. Um, my link tree is in my bio and my Instagram. I think it's in my link tree also on Twitter. Um, so be sure to hit any of us up um, and let me know. You know, I'm op- always open to changing up the intro. You know, I always try to find something irre- like relevant to the episode. So, um, but you know, since it's a free agent episode, I figured we'd keep it light. Get a little Kid Cudi in there, day and night, good vibes, you know what I mean? So, with that being said, guys, we're just going to get started, and we're going to jump right into these fan questions, you know? Thank you guys for sending those in. As always, I always do appreciate that. You know, I love answering your guys' questions and hearing what you guys want me to talk about, you know? So, um, with that being said, we're going to jump right into the warm-up pitch. And our first question comes from Markel Thomas, who asks, How do the Blue Jays replace Robbie Ray and Marcus Simeon? Um, to answer that question, um, you know, in my opinion, I don't know if you can necessarily replace guys such as the caliber of Marcus Simeon and Robbie Ray, just because there's, they're just stellar talents. You know what I mean? They're hard to replace. They're guys that are at a, such an elite level that they're very hard to replace and find guys that can replicate the type of performance they had. And you see with Robbie Ray last year, I mean, he put together obviously a Cy Young type of performance and... He got bit paid big money from it from Seattle. Um, but, I mean, I think you guys are on the right track to, I mean, you guys already did it. You guys replaced Marcus Simeon already by going and trading for uh, Matt Chapman from the Oakland A's, you know, um, talking a little about a little bit moves already early on. Um, you guys traded for Matt Chapman from the A's, and I thought that was a big move. You know, I'm hoping he can bounce back and have a caliber season and helps the Blue Jays out. I mean, I'm not really hoping because they're in the AL East, but I mean, for Blue Jays fan stakes, I'm hoping he gets back to his early days, you know, when he was a second year rookie, you know, in the 100 and 2018 and 145 games he played, he had 24 bombs, 
had 100 runs, 68 RBIs, and had one stolen bag, hit 278 with a 356 on base percentage. So I'm honestly hoping that he gets back to that caliber of player because ever since then, he has not hit fairly well. You know, back in 2019, he hit 249, 2020 hit 232, and then last season, frankly, hit 210. You know, that's not stellar numbers that you want from your third base spot. So I'm hoping with the change of scenery, you know, I'm a big proponent of that. I've told you guys that from the get-go. Like, I think a change of scenery is what someone who struggles early on always needs. I think they definitely need to see that competitiveness, you know what I mean, in the in the clubhouse. And in Oakland, he necessarily didn't have that. I mean, we're seeing it now with the fire cellar they got going on. That just kind of goes to show they were hoping to make a run, and they did a couple times. However, things didn't pan out in their favor, so now it's a fire cellar out there in Oakland. Or, uh, yeah, in Oakland. So I always get... I always say Oakland for the Raiders still, uh, for the Oakland Raiders, and now they're the Las Vegas Raiders. So anytime I say Oakland, I always have to sec- like second-guess myself and make sure I'm talking about the right team. Um, but, yeah, so with them, it's like you guys already got Matt Chapman. That's a great start to doing that, and I think you guys are going to be just fine. I don't see anywhere else you guys really need to be concerned about because, I mean, you look at this lineup revisiting it. Um, you got center field. You got Springer, shortstop. You got Bichette. Uh, first base, you got uh, Vlad Jr., D.H. Teoscar Hernandez, Gurriel Jr., Chapman, Grichik, Biggio, Dan uh, Jansen, a catcher. You know, this lineup's going to be just fine. I think you guys are going to be not have to worry about too too much about that. And then also, I mean, you want to talk about getting replacing Robbie Ray. You guys kind of not necessarily got the caliber arm of as Robbie Robbie Ray was, but you guys still have a solid rotation you know what i mean like you got still uh burrius gossman rue uh manage uh kikuchi you know you guys just signed kikuchi i thought that was a big ad for you guys i thought he's going to be a big addition to that uh, blue jays uh, rotation in that number five spot potentially four or five uh, four or five role which is a spot i felt like he really fit considering the year he just came off of he came off a year where he had 4.2 uh one year a in 149 innings, and that's really all you need him to do. You know, you need him to fill that number five role, um, be able to piece together innings, and give you guys a solid performance to go out and win. And I think Akuchi could do that, and right there in that five, four or five rotation spot. So I think you guys are going to be just fine. Um, I know it hurts losing a guy like Simeon, who had 40 plus home runs last year and had just had a stellar year, bet on himself on a one year contract, and went out and balled out. You know, I know. Seeing that as a Blue Jays fan and losing him um, does hurt, um, especially and then losing Robbie Ray right after that, after a Cy Young year. I wouldn't stress too much about it. I still think you guys are, I mean, this whole AL East division is going to be fun to watch, I think, this next season. Um, just due to the moves, people, um, just due to the lineups and competitiveness that this division is going to be, um, it's going to be very hard to win. That's one thing. When looking over all these lineups again, it's going to be very hard to win, but this lineup is still very, very good. So with you guys, with you wondering what you got to do to replace those caliber of guys, I get it where you're coming from, but I wouldn't stress too much about it. I think trading for a guy like Chapman, you guys are already there. Um, just you guys, I mean, frankly, you guys just got to bank on him being his old self because, and I think he's going to do that. Like I said, he was in Oakland, no promise there. Um, kind of just losing season after losing season, not really being able to play up to a cal- like a high caliber potential being not being on a winning team so I think he's gonna be just fine um being around a good group of guys always helps too and I think this Blue Jays team always seems like they always have a lot of fun and get along fairly well so 
I think everything there is going to be just fine. Um, so I want to stress too much about it, um, Marco. I think you guys are going to be just fine. So, uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to a competitive AL East division. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of my take on there. I don't think you guys have anything to worry about. And then jumping into the next fan question, we comes from DJ Ritter asking, now that Carlos Correa is gone, who plays shortstop? And with that being said, um, you know, I, I, I honestly thought the easy fix when losing Correa was going to be Alex Bregman because I don't know if many of you guys know this, uh, Alex Bregman actually plays shortstop at LSU. Um, that's kind of what they drafted him to be. But when they got Correa, obviously he had to make that transition to third. So immediately I thought the kind of quick fix to solving the whole Correa question was going to be um, bringing in Alex, I mean, making Alex Bregman play shortstop. But you guys have Jeremy Padilla, uh, pa- Jeremy Pena, who's slotted in there right now, according to Fangraphs, as you guys a shortstop. And frankly, I mean, this guy, this guy can hit the ball pretty dang well. Um, in the past few seasons, in 2019 in A-ball, he played 66 games, 289 at-bats, had five bombs, 44 runs, 41 RBIs, and hit 293. Followed it um, by a promotion, he went up to high A, where he played 43 games, 185 at-bats, two bombs, 28 runs, 13 RBIs, and hit 317. Obviously, due to 2020, he was not able to have a minor league season, so then jumping to 2021... Um, he was in AAA and he had 287 and 30 games there. So, I mean, I think, I think you guys would be just fine. If Pena jumps in there and is actually certain to be your guys' opening day shortstop, I don't see any problems with it. I mean, if he continues to hit, um, like he's shown in the minor leagues, you guys are going to be just fine. Um, I'm not concerned about that at all. I mean, and then worst case scenario, like I had said, you guys have Bregman at shortstop, which is still good. Um, only thing would be who plays third. And in that instance, I'm not sure who is able to slide over at third at that point. Um, that's the only question mark I would have as far as that goes. But I mean, you got, I mean, I think pain is probably the easy fix there. Slide him in at shortstop, have Alex Bregman still place third at an all-star caliber. You guys still have a Altuve. So that infield is going to be just fine. You guys got Gurriel still at first. So this lineup is still going to be dangerous nonetheless. Um, I mean, and if Pena does play shortstop, he's most likely could probably hit on that bottom end of the order, probably like seven, eight, nine roll. So it's not like he's going to be having that impact bat per se, like Correa had at the top of that order. But I mean, he's nonetheless, if he's able to hit for average and able to get on to get you to that top of the order, like um, Bridget, if he leads off an inning, gets on, uh, followed by Maldonado, and then you get up to the top of the order with Altuve, Brantley, Bregman uh Alvarez and all them like you guys are gonna be just fine um that's who I think is gonna play short I think he's kind of the only one that really makes sense to jump up there and play short um I don't see anyone else of significance that you guys should um other than Bregman um but yeah I think Pena is gonna be the easy fix there um and then our last and final uh fan question comes from Jake Lennox who asks will there be any movement on a Juan Soto extension, you think? And I definitely think there is. I mean, I think it's not a question that Juan Soto is going to get extended. I mean, the Nationals would be dumb not to, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't. Um, he's one of the best young stars in the game, and there's no reason why you shouldn't go and sign a guy, in my opinion, as you guys have heard, um, is probably the number two best player in baseball right now. 
There's no one young at his age that's doing the things that he's doing, has the discipline that he has, um, is able to hit for the average that he does year after year, provides you with a solid defense. So he's worth every single penny that you pay him. Um, just before the lockout, he did turn down an offer from the Nationals. That was a 13-year, $350 million deal. So um, with him being the second-best player in baseball, he wants to get played at, paid at a very high price. So, And I think the Nationals, to be honest with you, are kind of in that position to where they're able to do it. You know, But um, I think with, that, with the lack of stars you guys have on this team, um, on the Nationals, I think you guys have to go big. Like, the, like I talked about in the Nationals episode, to where you just got to build this team around Juan Soto. You know, um, do what you need to. Trade, sign for agents. Um, bringing guys that can help Juan Soto bring another championship to the Nationals. You know, help him out a little bit more. And signing him long-term and being making him a big part of what you guys want to do in Washington um, is huge. You know, you young players love to have that security and know that their team's going to back them. And I think the Nationals are ready to do that. It's just a matter of getting the right contract together and the right numbers all in place to where all the chips align, all the star. I'm sorry, all the stars align, and you guys are able to get a contract down. So um, when it's going to happen, I'm not sure. Um, you know, I know a lot of players don't like to go through negotiations and talks throughout the season. So I don't think you guys are going to lose them by any any means, uh, but I don't know. I think they're going to try to probably get a the contract done prior to season starting. I think that would kind of make the most sense, get it done in the spring training so you guys don't have it looming over you throughout the season, trade deadline, or um, at the end of the season. You know, you guys kind of just want to sit back and relax and know that Juan Soto is going to be a part of your future, and now your job is just to build around him. So I see this happening probably in the near future, um, but I, I mean, it's not a question if you guys are losing them, so... I think it's going to get done. If I were able to predict it, I would guess it'd probably get done before season starts here in the next few weeks. I don't see why not. If they already gave him an offer um, prior to the deadline or prior to the lockout, I don't see why they wouldn't give him another offer here in the near future to agree upon. Because like I said, you guys, as an owner or a GM, I know myself, if my star was in contract negotiations, I wouldn't want them playing as if I don't back them or don't support them. You know what I mean? I don't know if you guys give it. I mean, I'm sure you guys get what I'm saying. Like, you guys like to have that security and that backing, knowing that they have that confidence in you. And I think Juan Soto needs to have that deal done um, prior to allow that management to really sit sit pretty and know that they're going to be just fine. So with that being said, guys, we're going to jump into um, an ad from our sponsor. And our first sponsor of the day comes for, from A Better Utopia an Anchor original podcast. A Better Utopia is an audiobook podcast full of dark, adventurous, and magic. Follow the story of Sergeant Yulham Dunn as he returns home from a hellish war to a country on its its way there. Written by a veteran and father of four, A Better Utopia's goal is to entertain and make the listener think about their views of life without having to listen to a bunch of political BS. A Better Utopia also has a special episode coming up. Actually, it's already out now. Uh, it came out November 22nd, which takes uh, takes a break from the story and goes behind the scenes and in a depth look of a perspective of the Better Utopia. You know, guys, if you guys are interested in adventures and, you know, um, very adventure and magic, 
I definitely encourage you guys to go listen to A Better Utopia. I've listened to an episode, and it's pretty, it makes you think, you know, and I think this world kind of needs that, and, and young minds need to listen to this, or even adults, you know, to where, you, you know, it makes you think and listen, and um, I, I mean, my, me and myself, I like to question things and kind of get a different perspective and view life from a different outlet. So I like that there's a podcast out there that does that and kind of gives yourself a way to take away from the world and allow yourself to think differently. And I like that. Um, so I highly encourage A Better Utopia. Be sure to go check out their podcast um, on Anchor. It is an Anchor original. So just like the Netflix originals, the only place for you guys to go listen to to them is on Anchor. So be sure to go check them out. Give them a follow. And uh, go check out their episodes if you guys are into that type, kind of stuff. So with that being said, we're going to be leading right into the breakdown, guys. Like I said, I told you guys to get you guys an episode like this, and that's what we're going to do. You know, we're going to break down all these moves, trades, free agency, all the good stuff that's been going on rapidly um, in the shortened spring training and offseason. We're going to dive right into it because, I mean, frankly, I, I kind of like that it's accelerated because each each moment you see... Uh, Ken Rosenthal tweet or John Heyman tweet, um, you know, Hector Gomez, uh, yeah, Gomez tweet, you know, you're always like, oh, who's signing? You know, who got traded? Uh, you know, it kind of leaves you on the edge of your seat. I know it has for me um, these past couple days because, I mean, we've had um, where Correa was going to go, where Rizzo was going to end up, Freeman was going to end up, um, and then all these blockbuster trades that have been going on that we didn't see coming. Or some we did, some we didn't. Um, but it's just fun. It's fun to watch, you know, as a baseball fan, seeing where these guys are going, who these teams are giving up, and some of them just kind of take you by surprise. You're just like, whoa, okay, I did not see that coming whatsoever. You know, it kind of takes you back. And then uh, some of the signings, you know, you're like, wow, that's a really, that's a really good sign for that team. Um, so I'm excited to get into this. I'm excited to break these down, give you guys my thoughts on it. And with that being said, I think I'm going to start off with the one that I think is going to probably take up my majority of my time, <laughs> um, and that being the trade that the New York Yankees did and the moves that they've done. Uh, so as of recently, I think they listen. To my, I, I like to think that they listen to our AL East episode and listen to me bringing ba- and bringing back Anthony Rizzo. <laughs> uh, so the Yankees went out and brought back Anthony Rizzo on a, I believe it was a. Th- three-year deal or two-year deal they brought him back on a two-year deal and I love this move guys you guys know I'm a big fan of Anthony Rizzo I like what he provides at the plate um I like the things that he gives on the defense you know he's one of the premier defensive first basemen in the game and I'm excited to watch him man first base um and be at the forefront of that lineup Fangraphs projected has him projected as our leadoff guy I don't see that happening um just because we have DJ LeMahieu, and I think DJ LeMahieu's always been that consistent top tier uh, leadoff guy. So I see him leading off this lineup, but then I can definitely see Rizzo sliding in probably at two, followed by Judge, Stanton, um, newly acquired Josh Donaldson, Joey Gallo, Aaron Hicks, um, Isaiah uh, Connor uh, Falefa, and then a newcomer who we also got in the Twins trade, I'll get into here in a bit, uh, Ben Rope. Rodervelt? I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, guys. I'm sorry. Um, but he's newly acquired, too, in the trade that we got with the Twins. Um, but, I mean, like I said, Rizzo is a guy that I love just because he's a contact guy. His power numbers are going to go up. 
a little bit more than what he had last year. He had 26 bombs last year, but I could see those numbers going up um, just because of the short ports that he has in left field and right field. You know, in Yankee Stadium, it pre- it plays to a left-hander swing. You guys make the lefties make contact with the ball; it's going to fly out of the ballpark. And I think when he got traded, they were saying that there are like 30 more home runs that he could have had off of fly balls in Wrigley Field. It was either it was 20, somewhere between the 20 and 30 range to where he had fly balls hit in the outfield that could have resulted in home runs, which is kind of crazy to think about. To think that this guy could have had a 30 to 40 home run season um, just based off of that number if he was playing in Yankee Stadium. So I think anytime the Yankees bring in a left-handed bat, it's always going to be fun to watch, such as what we have with Joey Gallo. If Joey Gallo can step back from the strikeouts and hit a little bit more for average, you're still going to get that pop because this is a guy that hit 43 bombs last year. So you're going to have that thump. It's just a matter of if he's going to be able to get on and produce a little bit more than what you'd like him to. You know what I mean? So I really like what the Yankees did with this lineup. Um, We lost Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela. I was a big fan of Gio Urshela. I thought that guy was a very underrated player in the major leagues Um, just because of the defense he provides. You know, he's a very good contact hitter. Uh, every time he was up at the back, up at, up, up at the plate, there was never a doubt in my mind that he was going to get hit. He's kind of like the same guy that with DJ, you know, anytime DJ LeMahieu was up at the plate, I never had a doubt that he was going to get on. So I'm hoping, um, this plays out. I'm excited to see what, how it goes. I saw a lot of different thing, uh, different takes on the whole trade. A lot of Yankees fans weren't happy with it and thought we lost the trade. Some were happy that we did it. Um, in my stance from it, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see because I think what the Yankees did with this lineup is that when they traded Gio and Gary Sanchez, first off, I think Gary Sanchez needed a different change of scenery. He was not going to be any better here in New York. We gave him chance, the Yankees gave him chance after chance, and he just continued to not produce. And so I think it was just time to move on from him. I know he was a homegrown guy, but we had our fun with him. We had a good couple runs with him, but. Ultimately, I think it was time to move on. I thought that was the right choice. And then um, getting Isaiah Connor falefa that was a good move for, on the Yankees' part because that's a guy that the Yankees had kind of envisioned being the shortstop um, to be kind of a shortstop piece in the transition of getting Anthony Velope up here at the majors here in the near future. Um, the Yankees view Anthony Velope as the next great shortstop for the Yankees, and rightfully so. Um, so we just needed that stop guy to come in hold that place, hold that mantle of Yankee shortstop until he was ready and fully ready to take over the mantle, so to speak. So I'm excited to see what we get from Isaiah Connor falefa I mean, this guy's been able to hit everywhere he's gone. Um, in the past four seasons with Texas, in 2018, he had 261. Um, last year in 2020, he had, or I'm sorry, not last year, 2020 he hit 280, last year he hit 271. And if he can continue to hit, I'm going to be very excited because that's ultimately, like I've always talked about, is what the Yankees need. We need a guy that can just hit for contact and hit for base hits, doubles, and just get on and stop hitting for the long ball. I think what we have in this middle of the order now is kind of what I envisioned it being as far as guys that are the thumpers. You know, you have your Stanton, Donaldson, Gallo, and those are your thumpers, but then you also have guys that can hit for average. You have... Anthony Rizzo, you have Aaron Judge, you have Glaber. Uh, I don't know if Glaber Torres is going to be in there, but we'll have DJ LeMayhew, Aaron Hicks, 
um, if he can figure it back out with a bat, Isaiah Connor Falefa. So this bat, this lineup is kind of well balanced in my opinion. Um, I'm hoping Donaldson gets back to his MVP ways. I think he's going to provide a good glove over there at short at third base. I think his defense has never been the question. It's just a matter of if he can get back to his uh, old MVP hitting ways. And I've been seeing a lot of thing, a um, lot of tweets uh, showing that his exit velocity was the highest it's ever been, and there were a lot of like advanced stats that backed up that he has a lot of ball left in the tank, and I think he wants to go out and prove that. And I think he believes that a lot of people have written him off as far as not being a caliber and elite player anymore. So I think he has something to prove um, to not only himself but to the fans that always think that think he's washed up and. With this trade, I like that we did it, and I believe the Yankees are kind of viewing this as a boomer bust situation. You know what I mean? Like we gave up Urshela, and uh, we went good bat for good bat. You know, we gave up Urshela for Isaiah Connor Falefa, and then we gave up a bat such as Gary Sanchez, and we traded it for kind of a boomer bust guy to see what we're going to get from him. Are we going to get the old old ways Josh Donaldson who can hit for two sixty to two eighty? and give you the power still? Possibly. And I think the Yankees are bought in on that aspect of getting that guy. And I think from what it seems like, he's a lot. Ha- he seems happy in the Yankees uh, clubhouse from pictures and videos that I've seen of him interacting with guys. So I think it's going to be something to watch. I think he can have a big, big type of caliber year, and I'm hoping he does because if he does, oh boy, this lineup's going to be really good. Um, but with that, it's just a boom or bust situation. And then with the catchers that we got, uh, Ben, like I said, Ben Rotvert, I think, or Rotvert. I don't know how to pronounce the last name. I'm just going to stop. So I always stop butchering his last name. Um, I don't know too much about him. I know this dude's jacked. I saw a picture of him, <laughs> uh, on MLB and it was like the, the minor leagues, biggest catcher, major league, major league's biggest guy. I forgot what the caption was, but this dude's absolutely ripped and he hits from the left side of the plate. So if this guy has some type of pop and is able to just get a ball in the air and let it travel, hey, he's going to probably do some big things out there in Yankee Stadium. And if he's our starting catcher and is able to, like I said, hit a fly ball to right field and it carry out, I'm going to have no problems with that whatsoever. Um, but I'm excited to see how that plays out. Um, I think it's a good move. I think the Yankees have a lot to prove this year. I think the Yankees need to go out there and make a deep run, whether it be a ALCS uh, run again or make it to the World Series, and because there's a lot of pressure to see what this team can do. You know, they've spent the money on guys as such as Garrett Cole, going to be spending the money here in the near future, probably on Aaron Judge. You have Stanton, you have Gallo, you have Rizzo. We have all these big-name guys, but ultimately, what does it mean if we're not able to go out and win a championship? So I think the Yankees have something to prove this year, and I think they've already done and kind of shown that they have that type of uh I mean, the Yankees have always carried that type of championship status for themselves, but even more so after a decade of not winning one, I think even more so the pressure's on and they want to get back to the World Series and get back to the the championship. So I think these moves kind of reflect that. Um, We'll see what goes on. But leading into this next team, uh, we kind of already touched on them. Um, So I'm not going to touch too much on them because I already kind of talked about them in the Fan question, but that's the Toronto Blue Jays. The Toronto Blue Jays went out and got uh, Kikuchi and Matt Chapman. And like I said, this lineup is going to be fun to watch. Uh, They're going to do 
Some big things, like I said, they got some thumpers in this lineup. All these guys hit for average. Uh, I mean, going down this lineup, you got Springer, who is able to hit. He just didn't have the best year last year because he battled injuries. Um, he didn't play all that much, I want to say. I don't think he played a full season. Let me check. Double check that. Was it last season or the year before he didn't play a full season? Might have been the year before. But even so, coming back, oh, yeah, see, he only played 78 games last year. Played 51 the year before. Um, but in 78 games, he still hit. 264 and then he had 22 bombs so i mean in the short stint that he had with the club the dude produced and he's always been able to produce he saw that when he was in houston so was springer bachette vlad jr and all this blue jays lineup adding matt chapman if he can get back to his old ways this rotation uh the bullpen shapes out nicely i wish they would get another bullpen arm i don't know who's left out there to go get um i'd like for them to go get another bullpen arm still but this team is going to be fun to watch. I think this team is going to be very competitive, like I said. It's going to be a four-teams race all the way to the end with the moves everyone's made, the lineups that they all have here. Um, the Rays, Red Sox, Yankees, Blue Jays, all really, really good. So it's going to be fun to watch. I think the AL East is going to be kind of like it was in the old days to where it's going to come down to the last game of the season and who's going to be the winner. You know, we're going to have – I could see them probably having – two wildcard teams again, or two teams in the playoffs again. We know we got our, because with the new format, you have your division winner, then you have um, the second best division winner, and then the two wildcard teams, and then that last spot. So I can definitely see those all going to the AL East and having an AL East type playoff. I can definitely see that. Um, so leading, uh, so that being done with the AL East, my division winner probably doesn't change. Um, I think the, the Rays are still the team to beat in this division. Um, I could see the Red Sox, like I mentioned, the AL East part, uh, episode. I could see them making a run at it. But with the, like I said, with these moves, it's oh man, it's just hard to predict what's going to happen because I think it's going to come down to the wire. Um, but I, I think the ultimate winner still here is going to be the Rays. Um, I'm going to change it up. I think I put the Red Sox in our AL East episode. I'm going to change it up and go with the Rays. I think they're just too good, and they're still the front runner here in this division. That bullpen rotation, the lineup is just really good and kind of scary to face. So it's going to be close all the way to the end, but I definitely still see the Rays um, coming out on top in this division. With that being said, we're going to jump right into the AL Central, and we're going to start with the White Sox. The White Sox went out, didn't make too many moves yet, but I think they made a move, in my opinion, that was pretty important in getting uh, Joe Kelly. You know, I talked about bullpens and winning you ball games in the playoffs well you tell me a bullpen where you got to face Liam Hendricks Craig Kimbrell Joe Kelly um Garrett Gritchett yeah good luck guy you know you're <laughs> it's not going to be a fun playoff for you when you got to go against this bullpen and frankly the Yankees are probably going to have to play him so it's going to be hard to do that um it's going to be a battle of the bullpens when that comes to happen but Adding Joe Kelly, I was really happy that they did that because I think it just kind of gives them that reassurance there in the bullpen. It gives you a guy to where you can bring him in early on if your starter's struggling you still have a one-run lead. This gives you that flexibility to where you can bring him into the sixth inning, have him bridge the gap, and get him to Kimbrell and Hendricks. You know, you already got Aaron, um, Aaron Bummer there, who's your other setup guy. So now, essentially, you have three setup guys that can work your six, seven, eight, and nine innings um, whenever you're in a close ball game. And I think that's something that every team needs. And then you still got uh, Garrett Grochett, who, uh, like I said, is a nasty lefty who can still get guys out. You got uh, 
Kendall Graveman. You know, this bullpen is just really, really good. And they're going to be a team to watch for because just solely because of this bullpen. You know, bullpen, kind of like in football where defense wins you championships. Well, same could be said about bullpens in baseball. In my opinion, I think uh, bullpens win championships because if, you're, if your starting rotation is able to give you a solid five innings and you got a bullpen deep enough to get you to the end of the game and put up zeros while your lineup tries to figure out the other person starting pitching a bullpen, you guys are going to go places. And with this lineup, this lineup's more than capable of putting up runs. With Tim Anderson, um, Moncado, Abreu, uh, Yasmani Grandal, Luis Roberts, Eloy, Gavin Sheets. Like, this lineup is really good as well. So, come playoff time, if this lineup is kind of slumping and trying to figure out Luis Severino or trying to figure out Garrett, a type of pitcher like Gary Cole um, or Jose Boreas or um, Nathan Avaldi, like, this is a guy that, this is a team to where they now have the capability of putting guys out there on the mound, such as um, this bullpen, and allowing this offense to kind of take the pressure off and allow them to kind of go into it and figure out this pitching and give us the best chance to win. And I think the bullpen is definitely the upgrade here, and I like that they did that. It was a subtle move, but I think it was a big-time move on their part in order to get them in the direction that they want to go. Next team that we're going to talk about is going to be the Detroit Lions. I'm like Detroit Lions. Golly, what am I saying? Oh, my. That was a big uh, Hase moment. Um, I met the Detroit Tigers, okay, guys? I am so sorry. <laughs> I said that so confidently, too, as far as, like, me thinking, oh, yeah, I know what I'm talking about, huh? Oh, man, that's embarrassing. Alrighty. Well, we're just going to forget about that, forget that ever happened. We are going to talk about the Detroit Tigers. That is who we're talking about, not the Lions. Um, <laughs> um, with that being said, guys, they went out and signed Michael Pineda and Andrew Chafin. Um I like the Michael Pineda move. I think he, I think this is a good spot for Pineda to go out and, like I mentioned, prove himself. He's looking for that contract still. He's 33 years old, still has a lot of ball left to play. Um, coming off a year where he had 148 innings, had a 4.57 ERA and 28 starts. Um, with him being in Detroit, I think this takes a lot of pressure off him to be a top caliber player um, and allows him to be able to prove himself and work for that next contract. You know, if he puts together a good season here uh, behind Casey Mize and Eduardo Rodriguez and is allowed to just throw, you know, be a strike thrower like he was once in Pittsburgh and be the elite guy he was in New York at one point, um, he's going to do some big things and he's going to earn that next contract. And I think the, being with the Tigers is the right place for him. This is a team that's still in development, still has a lot of things to look forward to. Um, a lot of young talent, you know, was signing Javi, uh, Javi Baez, you got Torkelson coming up. Still got Miggy. This is a great ball club for you to kind of go go into and kind of see what they're going to do, you know, and be a part of something, be a part of a rebuild, help mentor if need be, and just kind of get yourself and prove yourself to get that next contract. And then Andrew Chafin signed a two-year deal here. Um, this was kind of the question mark move for me on why he signed here. But, I mean, ultimately, he's a great bullpen arm to have. I'm excited to see what he's going to do. He had a 3.89 last year. So, I mean, he could have ultimately went here also to boost his numbers and go out there, put up zeros for a season, and then maybe look to sign somewhere else once his contract is up, if he's able to put together some good um, numbers, or he's or he wants to be a part of the growing rebuild here in uh, Detroit. So, who's, who's, uh, who's to know? I'm excited to see what goes on there. 
Next team up will be Brendo, Brendo's favorite team, my ex-co-host, the Kansas City Royals. And I got to give my man props. He called it. He called that they were going to go out and sign Zach Greinke. In uh, our AL Central episode, he mentioned, he was like, you know, I'd really love to see Zach Greinke come back and finish his season in Kansas City. I think he has a lot uh, left to give. And I, I, I was a name that I kind of didn't. I honestly don't think I remembered if Zach Greinke was even a free agent. But when he said I was like, that honestly makes a lot of sense. Why wouldn't you end where you started? And at the age of 38, I think he's on the back end of his career. Has played 17 seasons in baseball. I think it's time for him to come back home at Kansas City. End it where he started, and I think it's a great add to this this uh, rotation. <clears throat> Excuse me. Like I mentioned, you got some young guys on this rotation that can use some mentoring. And why? Who better than to learn than from Zach Greinke? Whether or not he would do it, he's probably one of the biggest characters in baseball. <laughs> um, but I think he's definitely able to go ahead and do that, and is able to give you guys exactly what you need and give you guys the innings and the experience that you need in that game. In addition to Zach Granke, the Royals also went out and got um, Amir Garrett from the Cincinnati Reds. Like I said, there's a fire sale going on in Cincinnati as well. And I kind of saw this coming. I thought they were going to sell Amir Garrett just kind of because of what he provides and what he can bring to a team. So I thought this was a good add on the Royals' part in bringing in Amir Garrett and allowing him to be that setup guy in that bullpen, you know. I'm not sure how much longer he's signed for. I'm actually going to bring that up right now and see how long his contract is. He has four years of service time, so I would think he's due for a contract here in the near future. Let's see if I can bring that up. If I can find it, I will. Um, I don't think I can bring that up by just bringing up his name. But I think Amir Garrett is definitely a guy that can help out this Royals bullpen. And um, I don't know, like I said, I don't know how long he's there for. I wish I could actually let me go and do this. I can bring up the payroll for the Royals. Let's see that. So under the Royals payroll, Brady Singer, Amir Garrett. So he's on a one-year deal right now. So he's due for arbitration again in 2023, and then he's able to be a he's able to become a free agent. So. They are going to have to pay him again for arbitration. But, I mean, if you're able to get two good seasons out of him, I think it's a good move because he's going to be a part of this kind of rebuild. You know, you got Bobby Witt coming up. You got this stellar rotation with Brady uh, Brady Singer leading the young core. And then this bullpen, I think, is has flashes and can show flashes of being really, really good. So allowing Amir to go in there and help this, this new rebuild team out, I think, is a good move for the Royals. And I'm really happy that they went and traded for him. Um, I'm excited to see how the Royals play out. I want them to get back to their their old ways and winning. I think this is one of those feel good teams that you always, essentially, always find yourself rooting for. And I'm excited to see where they're able to head. And, uh, talk about teams where you're excited to see where they're going to go. I'm going to go right into it and talk about the Twins. You know, they won the sweepstakes. They won the big ticket item in Carlos Correa, and I don't think anyone really saw. The Twins being that team that won Carlos Correa only because it's like, I don't think anyone thought they would have the money to, you know, they, I mean, they, they just offloaded the money from Josh Donaldson, who was owed 50 million, used that money and went out and got Carlos Correa. So on the Twins part, 
hats off to you. I think you guys played that perfectly. Um, and I think he's a good fit in this lineup now because now when you look at this lineup, you got Byron Buxton, Luis um, Ares, you know, Carlos Correa, Polanco, Sano, Max Kepler, Gary Sanchez now, and then Urshela. I really like this lineup. This lineup kind of shaped out quite nicely with the additions that they added from the Yankees, Sanchez, Urshela, and then adding Correa with some of the existing pieces already. I think the Twins put themselves in a good spot. I think they have a great future looking in on this. And then also trading for Sonny Gray and Dylan Bundy, you know. And then they also went out and got uh, Joe Smith and Con uh, Harrell Cotton. So I think with the addition to Sonny Gray, that kind of adds on to that rotation. I want to say I've heard the rumors that they're still in on a uh, Frankie Montaz and Sean Mania. So I'd be interested in seeing if they are able to land him or land one of those guys at least, and be able to help this uh, this rotation out a little bit more. Other than that, guys, I'm really excited to see this Twins lineup. This Twins lineup is going to be really, really good. If Carlos Correa is able to play at a higher level of 276 or is able to play just to that standard again, and if Gary Sanchez is able to play like his rookie self, because Gary Sanchez was such a frustrating guy to watch as a Yankee fan because he showed flashes of being his old self, and then he would go back to striking out a lot, not being able to get on base, and then go back to being able to go on a hot streak. So he was so up and down. It was so hard to kind of back him up. And then his defense was atrocious. Like, I couldn't stand having that man behind the plate. He made so many plays behind home plate to where they seemed like basic fundamental catcher plays, um, such as there was a play at the plate that pissed me off. I want to say, I don't remember who it was against, but it was a play at the plate, and it caused them to go up by a run. And it was the relay throw home. He catches the ball. They have the runner hosed. And then the runner slides late, thinking he was just going to go in and accept the tag. When, I mean, obviously, as a, if you played the game of baseball, you're going to slide it home and make it a play or attempt any way to score, right? Well, Gary Sanchez kind of was standing upright, waiting for the guy to come in. Slides late and misses the tag completely. The guy ends up being safe. They end up taking the lead. That was I was kind of watching the game. I was like, what are you doing? Guy, like, why are you not in a squat and attempting or sliding to make this tag? You know, like, why? Like, where's your fundamentals? Where's your baseball IQ in that moment? You know, and so he was just a very frustrating guy to watch. But if you look back at his numbers in 2016 and 53 games, I believe that was the first year he got caught up. He had 20 game or 20 homers, 34 runs, 42 RBIs, had a point uh, two nine nine ERA, and then it's followed by another great year. 122 games plays, uh, 222 games played, 33 bombs, 79 runs, 90 RBIs, hit for 278, and then that's where the decline happened. Following year, 186. Following year, 232. Then followed by 147. And then last year, 204. And the so I don't think it was a fact that the Yankees, you know, the Yankees gave him chance after chance. And, you know, I think he wanted to stay in New York because obviously you always want to stay with the team that kind of brought you up to the big leagues. But when you're not producing, you got to show him something. And he didn't show him anything. I think they gave him four scenes to kind of give him a chance and seeing what he can do. Then they mixed him in mixed him in with Higgy. And then they were just like, you know what, dude, I think it's just time, time to go. So if he's able to play to that 2016, 2017 level, the change of scenery is what he needed and needed to get out of the bright lights in New York. 
then all power to the uh, the Twins, and I'm happy that they got him because I, I'm hoping. I mean, I always root for my former Yankees no matter where they go, unless they go to the Red Sox, then no. But <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to be rooting for Gary. I hope he's able to get back to his old self and is able to help this Twins lineup out and able to provide a thump for him. And then Gio, oh, my Gio Rochella, man. I'm going to miss this guy so much. Um, I think he's going to help the Twins out a lot at third base or wherever they put him. He's a utility guy, plays anywhere on that side of the diamond. Shortstop, third base, wherever you want him, he can hit. Um, you know, provides good defense. You know, they brought him as a defensive guy back in 2019, and then he just popped off. You know, took over Andrew Hart's spot when he went down with an injury. Played 132 games, hit 314. Followed that next year with uh, in the COVID year, hit 298. Following year, last year, hit 267. But I mean, there was a time where his average was up to the 280s and this dude was just hitting the ball cut like time and time again so i'm excited for our former yankees with the twins i think this twins team is someone to watch and could make a run in the central division are they going to win it no um most likely not but i think they're definitely a team to watch and could be a team that's going to be very interesting um here in the near future if they're able to piece it together and get some good guys in there to help this team out they're going to be fun to watch so with that being said, guys, I mean, I think I still have the, I think it's still the clear-cut winner that the White Sox are the division winners here. No change here. I don't think there are any moves significant enough for me to think otherwise. Um, I think there's good steps in the right direction, um, such as with the Royals and the Twins. I think those are great moves that they made to kind of help them out a little bit more in this rebuilding process. Um, but ultimately, guys, this division's easily the White Sox to take, and I'm excited to watch these teams grow in town to see what the kind of years they have coming off of this offseason. Leading into that, guys, we're going to go right in and talk about the AL West. If I can find an AL West team to click on. Here we go. So first off, we are going to talk about... Excuse me. Kind of tossed off my notes that I needed. So the first thing we're going to talk about is the Seattle Mariners. And the Mariners went out and made a big splash... In the middle of the offseason, I mean, this was a trade that I don't think anyone kind of saw. You know, we always we heard the rumors of Chris Bryant um, the whole entire time that the Mariners are in hard on Chris Bryant, that they're the favorite to kind of sign him. There's been a lot of talk between back and forth with them, saying that there's a lot of interest there and that they can see um, a potential landing spot with them. And then all of a sudden, you get the notification, Suarez and Jesse Winker traded to the Mariners. And I was just like, wait, wait a second. I was like, hold up, what? And, but, I mean, it was a kind of a what to where you're like, good for you type thing. Like, you know, you took advantage of the fire cell going out, going on out there in uh, Cincinnati, and you took advantage of it. I mean, you took away probably, arguably, one of the best bats that the Reds have in Suarez, and the second best bat that they have in Winker. I mean, you went and stripped the Reds of, you know, the Thunder and Lightning in that lineup. Um, and this lineup, it looks a lot different now. You know, you got J.P. Crawford and right, Mitch, I mean, um, J.P. Crawford at shortstop, Mitch Hanniger and right, Winker and left, and then you got Suarez at third base. This lineup looks pretty dang promising now. And I talked about them just need a big bat, and I thought um, Chris Bryant was going to be that big bat that they needed to add because he allows a lot of flexibility with third base and is able to play the outfield. But their managers were like, nah. That's not good enough for us. We're going to just go solve both problems in one trade. We're going to go trade for a third baseman and a left fielder and solve both holes that you said that we needed. So 
props to you guys. Hats off. I hope Suarez is able to come back and hit for a higher average than 226. And then, uh, but I mean, other than that, you're going to get the power from the guy. I mean, he had 31 bombs last year. I want to look back into his years past and kind of see what he was able to provide in years past because he's had some pretty good years with the Reds. Um, in 2019, I'm going to cancel COVID year because, I mean, obviously, I think a lot of bad, I mean, I think a lot of good hitters kind of struggle in that short, short season, short season, short season, um, if I can speak here. Um, in 2020, you know, during that COVID season, a lot of guys just kind of struggled. And you saw that. A lot of numbers were down. A lot of guys that, you know, kind of flash early, hit the high 200s and 300 mark. But those veteran guys that I think need that time to kind of get their feet wet and get, you know, get settled into the season um, really did struggle. So I'm going to cancel out that COVID year. But 2019, you know, in 159 games, he hit 49 home runs and then hit 271. Year before that, he had 34 bombs in 143 games, had a 283 average. Um, so I think big things are going to come from Suarez. Um, I'm excited to see what he does this year in Seattle. I mean, the power is obviously there, so that's something you don't ever question with him. And then with Jesse Winker, this is a guy that's kind of come on early. I mean, he's only played four seasons, I believe, in Cincinnati. One, two, three, four. Yeah. So he's played four seasons in Cincinnati, and he's hit 299, 269, 255, and 305 last year. But he also has some pop. He had 24 bombs last year. So I'm hoping that with these moves that they make, I mean, they this provided the offense for the Mariners that they needed. And I'm excited that they went out and got these kind of guys because this, this rotation is going to be pretty decent. Uh, the bullpen is going to be pretty decent. So... I mean, this lineup is going to be really good, and I'm excited to see what this team, where this, what direction this team goes. Um, you know, you got Robbie Ray at the forefront of that rotation. Uh, Marco Gonz uh, Gonzalez, Flexen, Gilbert, Branch. I don't know if this rotation could take a step forward. This team could be a very scary team to watch. Uh, but I mean, adding on guys like Jesse Winker and Suarez are just really big as it took me for surprise. That's for sure. And then with this next team, I don't think we. I suspected anything different. I know I'm, they didn't make any moves, but I think they're big because they've kind of provided moves for other teams. And that being the Oakland A's, you know, they went out and kind of did a fire sale, kind of like I thought we said, well, like I said they would, because there's no really, I don't see there being any competitiveness right now in Oakland. You know, they don't really have the guys. They lost a lot of guys. You know, I look at this departure lineup, you know, he lost Sterling Marte, Mark Canna, Jan Gomes, Josh Harrison, Andrew Chafin. Um, you know, you lost now Chapman, Chapman and Olsen and Sonny, or not Sonny Gray, Sonny Gray was not there. Um, uh, but all these A's that are like come and gone, and I think they're not done. I think they're just going to continue with this fire cell. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Tony Kemp get, get traded. Um, I think that's a guy that you can get probably a lot for, for a team that needs a middle infielder slash outfielder because you can do both. He can play second base, and he can also play the outfield. He's very fast, provides a lot for a team. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Tony Kemp's name pop up in a trade here in the near future. But the big, um, but the big trade, the big trade pieces that I've been seeing a lot of are the Sean Mania and Frankie Montas. I've been seeing those names pop up in a lot of rumors connected to a lot of teams. Um, the Yankees being one of those teams, the Twins being another team. You know, as a Yankee fan, I'm kind of being selfish, and I'm hoping to see like a. Frankie Montaz and a Sean Murphy trade go down or a Manaya Murphy. I want Sean Murphy to be a Yankee because I love his defensive, what he provides at the plate for, or um, behind the plate 
He's a great defensive catcher, so I'm hoping they can get him. If not, at least grab one of these arms. Um, but I think the fire cell is not over yet, like I said. These two are definitely going to be traded at some point before season starts. It's just a matter of when. I think it's going to happen very soon. You know, you've been seeing a lot of the rumors pop up. So, if not, by the time this episode comes out, um, there's probably already going to be a move made. So, be on the lookout for that. I definitely see one of those two getting traded. That's why I just kind of want to touch on the A's, uh, the A's real quick, just because the fire cell has been going on. They lost Olsen. They lost Chapman. You know, they've been trading off big pieces. Oh, and uh, I'm blanking on the name. The pitcher that they traded. Hold on, I have it in here in my notes. Bear with me. Bear with me. Where do you go? Where do you go? Where do you go? Uh, Chris Bassett. Gosh, Lee. So mad that I blanked on that name. Yeah, they lost him as well. You know, like I said, the fire cell is going on. Um, I expect more to come. So be on the lookout for that, y'all. Next up, you know, we got the uh, the Angels. You know, the Angels are making moves, and I'm excited to see it. Because I think this is the team that really need it. You know, they've already got prior to the... Prior to the lockout, they went out and got Tyler Wade, who I thought was a big ad. I thought he's going to help them out tremendously. I think he's going to be a good role guy or a good fill guy for them. Um, they went out and got Matt Duffy. You know, he had 270 last year. Um, I think that was a good ad for them as well. I think he, after having a good year with the Giants, I think he helped his stock and being able to sign a you know good free agent contract. So I'm excited to see what he's going to do. Uh, for the Angels, and I think that was a good step in the right direction. They also went out and got Archie Bradley and Ryan Tapera. So I think those were two big gets for the bullpen as well and gave this bullpen kind of a big thump as well. Um, you got Aaron Loop there already, and then adding Tapera behind Iglesias to close out a ballgame. That's a good tandem right there to be behind. And then this rotation, it's just a matter to see what they do. You know, we talked about it before. Are we going to get the vintage Cindergard uh, back? Um, what are we going to get from Michael Lorenzen? Are we going to, I mean, obviously we already know what we're going to get from Otani, but if this rotation is able to pan out and be able to play a role, I like the direction the Angels are going. I really love to see Mike Trout be competitive and have a competitive playoff season, um, given that type of postseason baseball. And then ultimately he needs to stay healthy as well. Same with Rendon. You know, there's, there's just some question marks here with the Angels, but I like this direction that they're going. I think adding Matt Duffy to play second base is definitely that right that right direction, either I could see Wade or Duffy probably winning that second base job, depending on who I think who hits better and improves himself more in spring training. I think Matt Duffy probably edges out Tyler Wade just because Matt Duffy has that um, experience of being an everyday uh, second baseman. So I could see him edging out Tyler Wade there, but Tyler Wade's definitely a good bench piece for the for the Angels to have with him being an ex-Yankee. And then, like I said, this rotation would be good. like the piece of the bullpen. I think they're good ads. So I'm excited to see how this team plays out for the Angels. Um, but with that being said, guys, we're moving right along, and it's time for a word from our next sponsor. So our next sponsor is KiwiCo. KiwiCo believes that a creative co- confident that creative confidence helps kids think big and act like uh, creators and producers instead of just consumers. KiwiCo had a deep appreciation for creative for the creative, hands-on projects that encourage this kind of thinking. But as a parent, most often found that my best intentions fell short. KiwiCo was created to celebrate kids' natural creativity and curiosity while helping parents who want to bring enriching experience to their children. KiwiCo 
wants to make it fun, easy, and delightful for families to spend time building, exploring, and create, uh, creating together. And ultimately, they hope that the problem, uh, the problem-solving skills and creative confidence that kids gain today will help them tackle the challenges and opportunities of tomorrow. Since its inception, the KiwiCo team has grown. They've added creative designers who dream up the projects, valued experts who review them, and the community kid testers who keep us on our toes and ensure the projects are fun and engaging. You know, this is another another sponsor I'm excited to have um, a part of the BDL family because I think it's really good and important to shape that next the next generation of kids. You know, there are the future of this country. So any way that we're able to engage them, get them more creative, you know, and get them again thinking differently. You know, thinking outside the box, being more creative, being um producers and thinking for themselves i think is very big and i'm excited to be a part of a a brand that has kiwico and is able to help build this next generation help them get their creative juices going and um who knows what these kid next generation kids are going to be able to come up with since they have something like kiwico to get them interactive you know get their creative minds going and who knows maybe they'll build one of these guys will grow up and build a car better than tesla you know who knows um but, uh, you know, I'm excited to be a part of Kiwico, uh, be sponsored by Kiwico, and I'm excited to see how these, how this app works and is, um, get these kids' minds working and engaged to the opportunities that life presents for them. So with that being said, guys, we are going into the NL. Um, we're going to go jump into the NL East, starting with your world champion Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves went out and rebuilt this team. You know, they went back and added uh, Eddie Rosario, who was a big part of that championship team that I was excited that they brought back that they brought back to help this team grow. Um, I think he was a big piece that this team needed. Um, the, he was a spark plug. He gave that um, dugout light. You know, he gave him the energy, and you saw it when he played. You know, especially in the World Series, he came up big for him, and I think he provided that spark. And I think that. This championship Braves team, although on paper they may have not looked like the most talented, so to speak, um, because you obviously were missing your big talent piece in Ronald Acuna um, due to an injury, but this team pieced it together, man. They were able to figure it out, have fun doing it, and I'm excited to see Eddie Rosario back and help that team grow. Um, obviously, they the sad departure of Freddie Freeman happened after the Braves went out and traded for Matt Olson. You saw the general manager get really emotional about it because Atlanta loved Freddie Freeman. You know, he was a homegrown guy, and, you know, the emotion behind it couldn't have been easy, knowing that you're losing your, essentially, someone's been a part of this build from the beginning. You know, the championship caliber team was basically built around him. And the fact of the matter is you had to move on from him was kind of a hard pill to swallow. And, you know, you landed Matt Olson, who's a solid first baseman, provides you a really solid glove, and ultimately gives you a really good bat. Hit 41 bombs last year at 275, so that's a great bat to have at the first base spot. If you had to replace Freddie Freeman with someone, I think Matt Olson was the right guy for you guys to go out and replace him with. Um, so I'm happy that the Braves were able to get him. I thought that was a good get for them. Um, and then leading into it, as of recently, they went out and signed Kenley Jansen to be this team's closer. I think that was a great ad because now you got Will Smith, Kenley Jansen, and they also went out and got Colin McHugh. Like, this setup rotation 
for the Braves is really dang good. You know, you got Kenley, Smith, McHugh, uh, Matzik, Jackson, Minter. Like, all these guys can freaking shove. So, I'm excited for this Braves team. I think they're set up to do another run. Um, if all these teams, all these guys are able to play their potential like they did last year, you know, if Albies is able to hit to that 274 mark, Austin Riley is able to hit 272. If Azuna could come back and even give you a little bit more than what he did last year, you know, he had 22, 28 bombs and at 263, if he can get that to the 270 mark, um, Eddie Rosario, Rosario, obviously, um, Swanson needs to step up in a big way. Um, Alex Dickerson was a good get for them to get. Hit 253 last year. I'd love to see him get help this team out and get a little bit more. So I'm excited to see where this team is going to go. And then obviously you're going to be getting Acuna sometime in the season. And this rotation is going to get even better. they got Kirby Yates still in the wings. Mike, um, Mike Soroka still waiting, coming off of injury. So I'm going to be excited to see how this team plays out. Because I think this team could be very scary when they're fully healthy and able to just show everything that they can they can do. Um, I think adding on the guys that they did are great starts, and I think they can make a run this next year. Now we're going to be moving on to the Phillies, who were a team that I was excited about. I think this team's going to be fun to watch because of the moves that they made. They went out and got Kyle Schwerber and Nick Castellanos. You know, and they, they have these two batting at the top of that order, which, I mean, Fangraphs is kind of, crazy for doing that because I don't know if you view these guys as top of the order guys but I mean with this lineup I mean I guess they kind of have to um because you got Schwarber they have Schwarber leading off at DH Nick Castellanos batting second in left field then you have Bryce Harper in right JT Ramuto at catcher Ryan Hoskins at first base June Segura at second base Didi at short Alec Boom at third and then um they have Herrera at short at center field batting um, ninth, which is, when reading it, it's kind of a scary lineup. You know, um, one of my buddies who is just getting into baseball started asking me, like, hey, who's a team that I should root for? This guy screams Phillies fans. Uh, screams being a Philly fan, but he said that his buddy had said that they weren't going to be very good this next season. And I was like, oh, man, you just wait and watch. This team's going to be really good. And I think just – what the moves that they made kind of prove that because this lineup is going to be really good if these guys can all play up to their potentials. And that's kind of what I'm baking it on is them being their potential self. You know, you look at it, you got Cassianos who at 277 with 32 bombs last year. You got Schwarber who at 247 hit 37 bombs. Um, and I think him being in that DH role is just going to continue to help him. I think he's going to make a career out of being a DH from the, for his, the rest of his career. Now that he's in the majors, um, and in, I mean that just allows him to play to what he's good at, and that's hitting. So if he's able to do that, you got obviously the reigning MVP Bryce Harper. You got Ramuto, who had two fifty seven last year, so I can see him taking a step forward. Ryan Hoskins taking the two step forward, uh, step forward from that two thirty eight. I mean, even so, he had thirty two home runs, and then Ramuto had twenty two. So I mean, they're still going to produce at the play and give you that pop, but I'd love to see him hit for a little bit more average. Um, I think the biggest question mark for this team to really take that next step forward and being at the elite caliber level um, is Didi Gregorius and what you're going to do with him. I, are you going to move on from him? Or are you going to bring up um, Bryson Scott who can definitely fill that role at shortstop um, and be that new face of the face of the Phillies, essentially that young core guy that you can bring up and be your shortstop. 
I think you should. Um, but I don't know. I think the Phillies kind of want to stick with Didi and seeing what he can do. I mean, he had 247 last year, 18 bombs. But you're banking on what he can be. So um, I would rather move on from him and upgrade at that spot, knowing the moves that I went out and made and made upgrades to this lineup. I would do everything in my power to help this team to its full potential and get us to that next level and caliber of uh, competition that you can do. Um, with that being said, they also went out and helped out this bullpen. You know, they got uh, Jairus Familia from the Mets and Brad Hand from the Mets. You know, two guys that came over from the Mets didn't have a stellar year last year at a 4.15 and a 4.0 ERA. But those dudes can easily help out this bullpen. That's already pretty dang good. You know, with Knable, Alvarado, and then you got Brogdon, Conrad. You know, this team's pretty good at bullpen. So I can see this team being very competitive along with this rotation, taking a step forward and all just producing and having a heck of a year. So I would say, definitely say the Phillies are a team to watch out for. I'm excited that they got Schwarber and Cassianos. I think they're great fits there. I think Schwarber's swing plays a really well to that right field. And uh, Philadelphia and the Cassianos being able to help them out on defense as well as give them a great bat. Um, the fact, like I said, the shocking fact, the shocking thing is that they have these two at one and two. So, I mean, if you got, if you guys are batting, if the Phillies are batting Schwarber and Cassianos at one and two, that kind of goes. To, that has to go to show the type of caliber lineup that this team has. So I'm excited to see how the Phillies do this year, what they're able to piece together, and ultimately how this team plays out. And then talking about teams that I hope to see that play pan out really well, I'm going to lean into the Mets, who went out and got. Um, they signed Adam Ottavino and then created traded for Chris Bassett from the A's. And I thought training for Chris Bassett gives you an even better rotation than what you had. You know, now you got DeGrom, uh, Max Scherzer, Chris Bassett, Carlos Carrasco, and Tyler Minkle. Like, this this lineup could be, this rotation could be really dang good if you let it. And this bullpen is going to be really good, adding Ottavino, who's that side armor that creates a really odd matchup. You know, that side arm, slider, um, everything that he throws from that that slot is just really funky and has really weird movement to it that I think as a hitter would be very hard to kind of barrel. Um, kind of similar to facing a lefty. Like anytime you face a lefty that has a lot of run to the fastball and has a lot of movement, it's always hard to barrel them up because there's so much um, movement that you can't figure out where it's going to be. You know, I think that helped me when I threw is that I threw, I, when I threw my two seam, it had a lot of movement running away. So for a righty, I would always throw it to a righty to where either I started it in on him and I thought it was going to hit him and it hit that inside corner, or I would start it kind of middle of the plate and let it run out to where they thought it was going to be a middle-middle fastball. Well, it would tail out, and then they would hit it off the top of the the top of the bat, let it roll over, and trickle it on to second base. Second base would make a play on it, or it would be a ground ball to first base, or whatever the case may be, or they would do a little um, butt-out swing that would end up being a blue hit. That was kind of like my... That was kind of like the thing that they would always do. Like I very rarely got barreled up, and I was due to my movement, and I think that helps out Ottavino, who has a lot of movement, has a lot of pitches to keep guys off balance and creates a lot of movement to be able to miss barrels. And I think adding him to this Mets bullpen behind Trevor May and uh, Edwin Diaz is just a guy that you need because now you can kind of bounce back and forth. I know I talked about it in the Phillies episode and bouncing back and forth between craftiness and heat you know mark uh trevor may is a guy that throws really hard edwin diaz throws really hard and has a lot of movement 
So adding Ottavino, either you sandwich those two together, whether you go May, Ottavino, Diaz, or you go Ottavino, and then you go Heat, Heat. Then you also have Seth Lugo, who you could throw in there. You know, there, there's just a lot of pieces in this bullpen to where Ottavino allows you to do a lot of mix and match and allows you to kind of mess around with the lineup and give you that flexibility to keep guys off balance. And I think it's, that's ultimately the biggest thing is keeping guys off balance and allowing hitters to think and play the chess match type of game to where you could throw Ottavino in the middle heart of an order and, you know, just dice him up with sliders, get up get that movement running away or hit him with the two seam in or whatever the case may be. Ottavino allows you to have a very good matchup advantage just because of the craftiness and uh, mechanics that he has because if you watched him throw um it's very weird and very very funky it's kind of similar to chris sale you know from the left-handed um left-handed side you know they have that very unique delivery to where it's kind of odd to see how hitters are even able to hit it because it comes from such a weird angle has so much movement that it's going to be hard to barrel up so i really like that sign from the mets and i think the mets made a really good jump in getting chris bassett who had a 3.90 ERA last year and 31 starts, had 176 innings. Um, I think he's a great ad for the Mets. I think he is great for that number three role behind Scherzer and DeGrom. And then having Carrasco to back him up, that's a solid four right there. And then um, Meagle, if he's able to produce and help out this um, bullpen even more, I mean, not this bullpen, this starting rotation even more, I'm excited to see where this Mets team goes. I think the sky's the limit for them. Um, I think they still have moves to be made as far as getting rid of some guys that might be a little bit of a question mark. Um, so we'll see. I'm excited to see what this lineup goes, how this lineup shapes out, um, how Robbie Cano bounces back from a year off. Um, if that DH role, I think that DH role is going to help him out a lot because now he doesn't have to play the field. And he's able to just hit. So I think I could see him having a big year and helping this Mets team out. Um, I'm excited to see. Like I said, I'm just excited for this Mets team and see where they're going to go. Last but not least, we are going to talk about the Washington Nationals. You know, I talked to them a little. I'm not going to touch too much on them because I kind of gave my spiel on the whole thing already with the Juan Soto um, extension talk. But they brought in Nelson Cruz, and I thought that was a big ad for them um, because I think Nelson Cruz is kind of looking forward to playing with Juan Soto. You know, um, both being from the same country, I think they're both looking to kind of put on for their kind of put on for the homeland, you know, and being able to play together and, you know, one of the best old talents in the game that's still around and still doing the things that he's doing with the best young talent in the game. I think this was kind of a feel-good signing, and I'm excited that Nelson Cruz gets to play with Juan Soto. And then they also went out and signed uh, Sean Doolittle and Steve Quishik, if that's how you say it, um, who are who are going to be great ads for this uh, bullpen. I think they were good signs. For the bullpen to help boost that up, like I said, I don't know what to make of this Nationals team. Um, I think they have a good lineup to make a run, um, potentially, but I don't think they're anywhere near the type of caliber lineups that the Braves are going to be having, the Phillies are going to be having, and their Mets are going to be having. I think they're just in a rebuild mode. Like I said, get Juan Soto his contract, allow to build around this guy, and ultimately make a run here in the next few years. Um, so I like the signings that they made. I think the Nelson Cruz trade was very cool. Um, to see, knowing that he's going to be paired up with Juan Soto now and allow him to kind of have a feel-good ending to his career. So that's going to close that out for the NL Central, or the NL East. I'm sorry, now we're going to move on to the Central. And leading into that, we are going to go straight to the Cincinnati Reds. 
I think the Cincinnati Reds had a big, big day. I mean, big offseason so far. Um, with these trades that they're going on, I think they're getting guys back that can help them out in the future. Um, I think we kind of expected the things that we saw with the trades of Sonny Gray, um, Nick. I mean, we didn't. I mean, we knew Nick Cassianos was gone. I think we thought the likelihood of him signing back was very, very slim. But seeing the Suarez and Winker trade was very shocking to me. I had them trading Mike Moustakis just because of his contract, but that could have shied them away from trading him because they know how much his contract was. Um, I still don't think they're done. I think Luis Castillo is still a name that's going to get traded. I think it makes too much sense for them to trade him because of the type of rumors we've heard from the past as far as... um, you know, all the rumors with him getting traded the past two deadlines. So I think I could see them making more moves and trading Castillo and moving on from him. Um, but other than that, I just kind of wanted to touch on them and kind of just be kind of give my two cents on that. I think they're just in a rebuild process even more so now. I think they're buying into that rebuild mentality and is just allowing this young talent to come up and maybe just develop and get guys in here that can help this team out in the future. So look for Luis Castillo to get traded here in the near future. And next, we are going to go into the Chicago Cubs. And congrats on winning the big the bidding war for C.S. Suzuki. Um, you know, you saw in a press conference that he's going to wear the number 27 because of Mike Trout. Looked at the camera and said, Mike Trout, I love you. <laughs> so, I mean, that was a really cool moment to see. And I think that was a great introduction to him in the game of baseball. So we'll see how he pans out. You know, and his career in Japan has been nothing but... Nothing short of spectacular. Like this guy is, this guy has produced and has shown a lot of light out there in Japan and has been able to give a lot of thump and a lot of defensive upside for that Japan team. So if he's able to come in here and hit up to that 286 level like he did in Japan, that 386 on base percentage that he's had, um, I think he was a great big bat to add to this um, Cubs Cubs lineup. You know who's lacking a little bit of pop. You know now that. All that core is gone, you know, but then they brought in Jonathan VR, Addison Simmons. I think Simmons is kind of a stopgap guy to kind of wait and see what they the direction the Cubs want to go. Um, I'm interested to see what this team does. You know, they made a lot of little big moves. You know, they signed a lot of bullpen arms, that's for sure. They got D, uh, David Robinson, Michael Givens, um, Chris Martin, Daniel Norris, Jesse Chavez, uh, Steven, so they went out and bought a whole entirely new bullpen. So um, I'm not sh- quite sure what to make of the Mets. I think they're still a couple bats away and a couple arms away from being able to make a deep run. However, I do think that they are putting themselves in the best position to kind of at least compete. So I'm interested to see what direction the Cubs decide to go and seeing what they want to do. Um, like I said, I don't see them doing all too much. Here in the near future, I think the Brewers are still the key winner in this division. Um, But yeah, I like the direction they're going. I think Sia is a great start for them in this rebuild process and allows them to kind of give them a a guy to build around, so to speak. You know, you still got Wilson Contreras there. He's been a young star for them for a while now. And I think bringing in Suzuki allows them to kind of do the same thing and now know that either they want to extend Contreras and let him be the centerpiece around that whole entire team, or you trade Contreras knowing that you're going to build around Suzuki. So it's either I think they're going to build around both of them, and I don't think they should trade Contreras because getting a good solid catcher in there is very hard to do. So I would definitely hold on to Contreras 
and then um, build around those two and seeing what type of team you could trade for or sign free agent wise or draft and get your prospects in there and allow them to do their thing. So it's very interesting. I'm very interested in seeing the direction the Cubs go. I like the moves they made. Um, I think it's going to be very cool to see the direction this team goes and if they're able to get back to their competitive ways, um, such as a championship winning team, getting a young core up here and is able to produce the way that those guys were. So that concludes it for the East. I mean, there was not a lot to talk about, um, you know, for this, this, I mean, this division, there was, I mean, not the East, the Central, not a lot of moves made, you know, there were some little things done, like the Brewers went out and got Andrew McCutcheon, the Cardinals were able to go get Corey Dickerson, which were good moves for them, I think they're good little bats to add on to their lineups already, I think McCutcheon fits in well, probably at a DH role for the Brewers. And then Dickerson's going to be a good ad, good added bat for them. You know, a good solid contact guy. It's probably give you 260, 260 to probably 270-ish average for them and help them out. Uh, but ultimately, that's going to be it for this division. You know, there was not a lot of moves made. I think there are a lot of – I like the direction the Cubs are going. I think Cincinnati's still going to continue the fire sale. Um, I don't see them being all too competitive like I mentioned Um this next season, next next season, I don't see them really doing too much. So, with that being said, we're going to go right into our next sponsor. This next sponsor is No Limits Fantasy Sports. Fantasy, sport, fantasy sports is a term that refers to a contest of skill in which users compete against each other by creating teams consisting of real players from a professional sports. You can win these contests by choosing the players that you think will perform well in a real-life sports game. These players get rated on their performance in the games that they play for their club. A point system based on the individual player's actions is used to decide the score of the individual's player on the No Limit Sports Fantasy platform. These points are called fantasy points. The more points your player has, the better your team has to win. At the end of the contest, there is a winner determined. I've played fantasy sports my whole entire life and... I'm kind of known as the king of fantasy football. Um, I just recently got into fantasy baseball, so be sure to go check out the sports uh, No Limits Fantasy Sports app. I think they're a great platform. I'm going to go check them out and probably get a team going on there. Hopefully soon. I love doing fantasy sports. It keeps you in-depth and um, keeps you interested in the game, to be honest with you. Um, I've always kind of thought about doing fantasy basketball. I'm not a big basketball guy, but I enjoy watching it. So I wonder if I did fantasy basketball like any other sport, it would kind of keep me more in tune to the game and kind of uh, get my in-depth look more so into players and know the game a little bit more. So that's probably one sport I think I would probably go and do that with. Um, however, I love fantasy sports. I think it's a fun competitive atmosphere to do with your friends. And it's a good way to kind of hang something over their head. You know, if you won the championship, go on and brag about that to the next season. Um, so if you're a big sports sports person, and love to compete. I definitely think Fantasy Sports uh, at No Limits Fantasy Sports app is the app for you. So be sure to go check that out, y'all. With that being said, we are going to lead in right into the NOS. There's a lot of things to talk about here. Um, you know, I'm going to start off, I think, with a big ticket item that everyone probably wants me to talk about already. Or should I save them for last? Hmm. You know what? We'll save them for last because I kind of want to get into that lineup a little bit more um, in depth. So we are going to talk about the San Francisco Giants first, with that being said. And they uh, went out and signed Jock Peterson. They went out and got Carlos Rondon. 
Matthew Boyd, and then they signed Carlos Martinez to a minor league contract. I love the direction the Giants are going. You know, I think they are doing the right thing and getting a big bat, such as Jock Peterson, to help them out in the lineup. Um, I'm still thinking that they need to trade Brandon Belt. I think you need to trade on him, trade him and get the most value you can. I know a lot of Giants fans adore him. He was their baby giraffe, but I think you need to trade him and get the most value you can for him because I don't think he's going to play up to that caliber of level um, and continue to do it. Um, I've heard rumbles that they are in on a shortstop, um, the shortstop Trevor Story. Whether or not they get him by the time this episode comes out, I don't know. Um, I hope they do because I think that would be a very interesting ad for him. However, I think Brandon Belt needs to be at the forefront of that agenda. Get him out of San Francisco and get what you can for him because I don't think he's going to play to that next that high caliber uh, superstar level like he's been. Um, I don't see it happening. I hope he does. But I like the direction they're going. I love the bullpen. Ad, I mean, the rotation ads here with Carlos um, Rodon. I thought that was a big one for him. I like that they got the second, the number two guy behind Logan Webb. You know, you got your ace. Now you got a guy to back him up. And then you got Anthony uh, DeStefani, you know, Alex Wood, Alex Cobb. Now we're getting to that talk of a veteran rotation that Joey Bart has to handle. Is he going to be able to handle that? And talking to some Giants fans, I think that's kind of their question mark too. Um, with losing Buster Posey, are they going to have that leadership role from Joey Bart? Or is he going to be able to step up in that big way that we talked about? Is he going to be able to be that leader of the defense? And, get, you know, we know what he can give you at the plate. You know he can give you that thump. But ultimately, they need him to step up in a big way, put his big boy pants on, and allow him to take that next step forward and being the leader. Um, another big move that I liked is the Carlos Martinez signing because he's probably going to start off in the minor leagues um, knowing that he signed, they signed into a minor league deal. I think he's a guy that you got to keep your eye on because if he's able to come out and give you guys, give them innings near the end and is able to perform at a high caliber level like he once did back in 2018, um, from a range, basically ranging from 2015 all the way to 19, then he could be a, easily a steal for the Giants because he put together about a 3.0 ERA between those that span of 2015 to 2019. So if he's able to come back and kind of takes that minor league contract and runs with it, that could be another great arm to add to this rotation. And, I, and that, that would give them a great look. Um, but the signings of... Jock, Rondone, and Matthew Boyd, who is going to be another great ad for him, who's come off a couple good years, who's a good name to have as like a, a spot starter or maybe a number five guy when he comes back. He's injured as of right now. But if he's able to come back and pitch like he did last year, and let me see here, and 15 starts, he had a 3.89 ERA and had a case per nine of a 7.67, which is pretty dang good. So if he's able to continue that momentum that he had, and this gate is able to give them at least that high, uh, that mid three to high three type of numbers at a number. Probably, I think he'd probably slide in at probably the number five rotation spot on this um, in this rotation. I mean, that's all the Giants are really asking for. Give them the ability to compete, um, and ultimately, this lineup needs to play up above expectation, like we talked about. Uh, Yaskrimski has to take a really big step up and give them better numbers than what he's been. I think he will. Um, you know, other than that, this team just is going to continue to surprise people. I see them battling it again, battling it out again. Um, do I just see them as division winners? Probably not. 
Um, but I definitely could see them in the contention to being a a, play, uh, a playoff team fighting for that wild card spot and getting one of those spots there. Um, and then speaking of playoff teams, I wonder if this team, the San Diego Padres, is going to take a big step up because they kind of got that big bat that I was talking about in a trade that they just recently did with the Yankees. Um, the They acquired Luke Voigt. They got Luke Voigt, who is a big dump bat, who kind of got lost in the mix there in New York with the whole Rizzo acquisition uh, when we trade when the Yankees trade for him in the deadline. He got lost in kind of everything. You know, I kind of felt bad for him because of what he's done in New York. He's put together some great seasons, hit for a lot of home runs. Um, and, it, you know, it was really hard to see him go because this was a guy that kind of came out of nowhere for the Yankees. You know, the Yankees traded for him. And he came out big, you know. He played 118 games for the Yankees back in 2019. Hit 263 with 21 bombs, 72 runs, and 62 RBIs. 2020 was the league leader, I believe, in home runs with 22. Hit 277 was a big part of that. And then last year, like I said, he kind of just got lost in the whole acquisition. And, and, you know, he wasn't healthy either. That's kind of what hurt him too. And in uh, 68 games, he had 11 bombs and had hit 239. But, I mean, that doesn't speak to Luke Voigt. With him being in San Diego, I think it's going to give him an opportunity to kind of go show people what he can do and is going to allow him to take that next step forward. And I think he has a lot of ball still to be played. I mean, he's one of the best hitters right now in baseball. And he's only 31. I mean, he's 31 years old, so he still has some ball left to be played. I think he's just getting into his prime years. So, I think adding him behind Cronesworth and between Hosmer and then when Tatis comes back, this lineup is going to be really good. It's just a matter of if this rotation can continue to be dominant. Can this rotation live up to their expectations? You know, they went out and signed Nick Martinez, who is a signee from Japan. Um, looking back at his numbers, he has not pitched in the major league since 2017, in which he did not put up really stellar numbers when he was in Texas and. 2014 in, let me see here, 24 starts, he had a 4.55, uh, put up a decent year, 2015, 21 starts, had a 3.96, and then followed it up with 2016, 5 starts, 5.59, 2017, 18 starts, 5.66, so you got to really get, Nick, I hope Nick, Mart I hope Nick Martinez has gotten and learned his lessons that he did in Japan, um, and is able to bring him over to that will be because if he can give us a 4.2 ERA for the Padres, I think that's kind of all you can ask for from a number five starter, um, such as the Padres are looking for. I think they were just looking for that big piece guy, or not really a big piece guy, but a role guy to kind of fill out and get you innings. I still think Mackenzie Gore is a guy to look for in this next season to really come up and give you that boost that you're looking for for this rotation. I think Mackenzie Gore is going to come up in a big way. And is going to take over this line, this rotation, rotation, in a um, by storm. I can see him having a big year. With that, we are going to lead into the winners of the Chris Bryan sweepstakes and talk about the Colorado Rockies. This is a team where I just, I just don't get it. To be honest with you, I really don't. You know, you you go and trade Nolan Arenado to free up money, and then you go and trade and let, or you didn't trade him, you let him walk. You let Trevor Story walk away, who I think you probably could have got on a cheaper deal than what you got Chris Bryant for, and yet you decided to come in and sign Chris Bryant when you had all this money freed up that you could have done a lot more with. 
So I don't know what the Rockies are thinking. I would have possibly have taken Trevor Story. I don't know. That's kind of hard to think. I'm going to put up a poll on my Twitter. And when you guys listen to this, you guys let me know what you guys think. Or even I'll do a TikTok poll. Um, who you, who you would rather have on your team if you're in the Rockies situation? Would you rather have a guy like Chris Bryant? Would you rather have Trevor Story? Or obviously, would you rather have Nolan Arenado? You know, because I think you can make a case for any one of them. Um, however, with the Rocky situation, I think they kind of just got to look at where they want to play him. Are they going to play him at their base? Or are they going to play him in the outfield? Um, it's kind of a big question mark. I think he best fits in the outfield for the Rocky situation. I think it makes the most sense. I think you put him in left. Um, have Tapia play right. Bryant, um, Brian and left, and then continue to have uh, Sam Hillard in center. I think that makes the most sense because that influence kind of shirt up with um, with uh, Rogers and then that whole young core that they have there that I talked about in the NL West episode. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, I like the move. I'm happy they went out and got a big bat. I just, I just don't get it as far as when you've moved on from Trevor Story and Nolan Arenado, who are both elite guys at their position. Um, I think it's kind of a question mark for me. I mean, not saying Chris Bryant isn't elite, but it kind of leaves you scratching your head if you're a Rockies fan, kind of trying to figure out what direction they're going. Um, because as a guy that's kind of from the outside looking in, I'm kind of scratching my head trying to figure out where they're going. Um, are they looking to be competitive this year? Are they looking to sign Chris Bryant for the future? They signed him to a seven-year deal, so you're going to have him all the way until he's 37 years old. Um I don't know. I mean, he's getting paid a lot of money, so I think they're going to have money still to work with, but I'm just interested in seeing what direction the Rockies were thinking about going. I like the signing. I like. I think his numbers are only going to get better with him being in Colorado with the um, with that ballpark and the number, how everyone's numbers seem to be a lot better there in Colorado. I think it's only going to help him in the long run in revamping his career because, I mean, he had 267 last year. I mean, and being in Colorado, he could probably hit 280, close to 290 most likely. Have a little bit more pop. Had 25 bombs last year. Maybe increases that to like 30, 32. Um, so I think it's good for Chris Bryant from Chris Bryant's standpoint. I think he's going to have an even better, bigger year than what he's had in the past. Um, I wouldn't be surprised even if we saw career numbers from Chris Bryant. Um, as far as average goes, home runs go, and just in all whole kidding, uh, hitting category. So I'm excited to see where Chris Bryant does. I think it's a good fit for him as far as being a player and signing with the Rockies. Um, I think it's going to help his numbers, but ultimately as an organization, I'm still trying to figure out what direction they want to go. Obviously they've gotten younger at those positions that they lost. Um, and they got Jose Iglesias too, to kind of be a shortstop stopper for the time being, um, until they figure out what they want to do, which isn't a bad signing. I think he's shown he can be a good role guy. Um, he had 289 last year, has a great glove. So I think it's kind of going to be interesting to see how Jose Iglesias does, but we'll see how the Rockies play out um i think they still have a long way to go before the contenders but we'll see um with that we're going to talk about the big ticket item the winner of the freddie freeman sweepstakes and talk about the los angeles dodgers you know i would love to talk about them even more depth but like when you look at this lineup what's there to say like it's just unfair when you i mean they i'm happy they re-signed clayton kershaw i think there was no place for him to go other then to um, L.A., they went out and signed um, Tyler Anderson, which I thought was a good ad. You know, he put together a good couple years. 
good couple decent seasons out there with the Rockies, and then he's kind of had a career for ERA. So, I mean, he's going to be what the Dodgers need him to be. I think he's, I think he's a lot better than Andrew Henney at in the rotation. But I mean, they're obviously still not going to replace him. I think this is a team that desperately needs Trevor Bauer to come back because then you knock Andrew Henney out of that rotation, you bump him down probably to the bullpen. I think this is a team that needs their starting pitcher back. Um, hopefully, they get him back soon. And is able to help them out in the near future. If he continues to get suspended or administratively that they keep doing, then obviously they're going to start the year with Andrew Henney in the rotation, which is something I don't know is a good move. Um, I mean, that's probably, I don't know. I, I don't want to be a big Andrew Henney hater, but I'm not a big fan of his. Um, I don't think he's a guy that's your number four starter, according to fan graphs. Um, so this is a team that really desperately needs Bauer to come back and allow him to fill that number two role and then allow you to have Bueller. Bauer, Urias, Kershaw, and then Tyler Anderson. I think that's a rotation that makes a lot more sense than what it is now. Um, so I hope Trevor Bauer comes back soon, if I'm a Dodger fan, um, to help him out a little bit more. And doing so, I mean, talking about this lineup, I mean, we talked about it before, but I mean, even more so with Freddie in this lineup is just even more insane. Um, you got Mookie Betts, you got Trey Turner, you got Freddie Freeman, Justin Turner, Max Muncie, Will Smith, Chris Taylor. Cody Bellinger, and A.J. Pollock. So this lineup is really insane. Um, I mean, I think they're the clear-cut favorites in my eyes to win uh, the NL crown and win the NL championship series and go on to the World Series. I think if they don't, then it's going to kind of look like a bust on their standpoint. Um, still question marks on this on this team, obviously, with Gavin Lux. What are you going to get from him? What role is he going to play now that he's there? Um I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him. But ultimately, the starting lineup is just insane. Really, really good. And I hope they play above expect. I mean, I am hoping they play to their expectations because I can see them doing big things. And ultimately, probably winning another World Series. I think they did this knowing that they had a lot to prove coming off their 2020 year. And then obviously not winning last year um, after a 106-win season. I think they're kind of salty about it. And they wanted to go out and reassure everyone that they are the best team and baseball, and they wanted to go out and win a World Series. So that's going to conclude our free agent and kind of trade acquisition roundup. Um, We're going to close it out with our last sponsor, and that's going to come from TNA Podcast. They are an adult-themed comedy podcast. The show is basically two guys shooting the shit about subjects picked by their audience via website and social media. The TNA Podcast will entertain offers for on-air reads, as well as possible spot spot trades for other podcasts. Listen to the TNA podcast today. New shows out daily. I mean, who doesn't love a good laugh, right? So with the TNA podcast, I've kind of listened to a couple of their episodes. Those two, those they're just funny. That's a really good comedy show. If you're in a mood for a good laugh, I definitely recommend them. Go give them a listen. Um, they're two guys that really just do shoot the shit and kind of talk about whatever they want to talk about. I like that they open it up to the viewers and the listeners because ultimately this show, um, just like I always tell you guys with this podcast, you know, bullpen rows, I want to hear what you guys want me to talk about. And I like that they open it up to the listeners and their viewers to allow them to give them topics and kind of hear what their feedback is about the show. What do they want to talk about? Things that are going on in the world, um, get their insight. Um, I like that they do that. You know, it's something that I kind of strive to do with this show. I like to hear you guys' thoughts and hear what you guys have to say, um, questions you guys have on teams, uh, players, you name it. Like, I, that's how I want this show to be. So I'm happy that TNA Podcast does that because they were kind of that example to me to 
come up with that come up with the kind of the same platform as they have to allow their listeners to kind of essentially run the show. Like ultimately, like we do have a script that I want to stick to. But I mean, if you guys have something else in in mind that you guys want me to talk about, like I say, always always encourage you guys to uh, reach out and let us know what you guys think because. Um, ultimately feedback, constructive criticism is ultimately the best way to grow this, uh, this episode. I mean, grow this channel, grow this platform. Um, I don't have a career here and behind the mic if it's not for you guys. So, uh, let me know what you guys think. I thank you guys for listening. Um, with that, my final thoughts on this whole entire off season, I think the biggest winners, obviously from my eyes are just the Dodgers, um, getting Freddie Freeman. I mean, there's no other person in the MLB that really makes a lot more sense and helps out a team a lot more um, from eyes view than Freddie Freeman because now this team for the Dodgers essentially comes out to be unbeatable and it's just really insane to look at. You know, I I'm happy the Yankees are not in the NL because that would be a torture to play them every single year because of this lineup. So I'm happy my favorite teams in the AL. All all your all you guys that have NL favorite teams, good luck this year. <laughs> have fun with this this lineup and um you know i think the dodgers are just the front runners for this whole division um with that being said guys thank you guys for taking a listen to today's podcast um i enjoy i love doing this for y'all i love making episodes giving you guys my insight my thoughts on certain things i encourage you guys to go out and listen to all the other episodes that we have under the bdl brand um we are on anchor they are our main sponsor that allow us to be able to get uh, podcast out to you as well as google so go subscribe to the google platform anchor and subscribe to us ultimately on spotify or wherever you guys are listening right now um, be sure to give us a follow on tiktok we try to get you guys out um, creative content as much as possible we're trying to grow our channel or grow our podcast our brand a little bit more so if you're listening to this and you are not following the tiktok or any of us on twitter or instagram or any socials uh be sure to let us be sure to go give us a follow you know at least on my end i always uh, put out updates whenever I've got a new episode out. I make sure to get it out there and let you guys know that it's out, um, whether it be late. I know this last episode that we had got out a little later than we expected it to, um, but at least, I mean, I always try to let you guys know whenever it comes out, so be sure to go give us a follow. Um, thank you guys for listening. I really love each and every single one of you guys. I appreciate you guys' support. Um, be sure to let me know feedback, what you guys think about today's episode. Uh, hit me up with fan questions. Get them into Shea. Go through Anchor. Uh, whoever way you guys want to go about getting us questions, let me know. I am happy to answer them. And um, with that being said, guys, have a great rest of your day or night whenever you are listening to this. God bless and have a great rest of your day. Thank you.